0: Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I'm so thrilled to share a recent Firebird Book Award-winning author with you, he is Peter Elliott, and the winning book is titled A Dream of Shadows, Book One. Peter melds his love of evocative writing with an intense interest in dark adventure stories. Peter renders exciting action stories in a highly vivid style. His earlier career in architecture and design informs his current novels the Shadow Bitter Series, adding visual realism to the gritty urban setting. A graduate of Skidmore College, Peter received highest honors and was elected to the Phi Beta Kappa Society. Peter lives with his wife in New York, and so we've got lots to talk about, obviously, here today. So welcome to the network, Peter.
1: Great. It's great to be here, Pat. Well,
0: it's great to have you here, and congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Thank you very much very welcome I'm happy that you submitted it to us you have actually received many awards and lots of excellent reviews along the way Yeah, it's it's,
1: it's, been, a, it's been an been exciting journey so far in your award the uh, firebird I think I I think I won five yeah and then that, it, it, and then uh, there's been a bunch of others I think there's been ten that I've won so far yeah, But I just started submitting right away and I'll you know I'll tell you a little bit about my history with awards because it's <laughs> it's part of why I've submitted to so many awards,
0: okay.
1: um, in this in this case, but you uh, you run the interview as you see fit.
0: No, that's fine. Tell me. I'm always interested to hear the side stories.
1: yeah. well, I, so I, I grew up um, in a on a little island off the coast of America called Manhattan. <laughs> um, on this little island, they had about eleven million other people um, and a lot of buildings. And so I had a very, very urban, you know, upbringing. Uh, it, those were some of the rougher decades in New York City's history. So I had, you know, that definitely informed my mentality as a writer and some of the things I chose to focus on. And then at 13 years old, um, I entered a short story contest and it was offered, it was a New York City-wide contest uh, for people in my age group. And the only requirement in the story was that it needed to focus on New York in some form or another. So I wrote a story set in the future of New York, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly what I called science fiction, like futuristic, but it was, you know, a theoretical date in the future when New York had sort of seen a decline. So it had fallen into disrepair, um, and its glory days were certainly behind it. And it was called ruins. Uh, there were a lot of people in this contest. I mean, there were, I don't know, could have been thousands who entered it. Anyway, I won first prize in that contest, um, which, needless to say, made a big impact on me. And I remember bookmarking that in my mind, saying, you know, this is something I definitely have to do in my life at some point. I'm going to try and pursue this as an adult and be a writer, because uh, I love doing it, and I felt like I had a talent for it. And the subject matter that was present in that story, um, you know, again, an urban setting after the fall of the glory days of a, of a city, uh, a lot of criminal elements present. All of these things are present in my current book. So that, that contest and that experience, you know, had a huge ripple effect, even though, I'm, you know, a lot of years have intervened, obviously, and I've, I've had a whole other career in that intervening time in architecture and design, uh, it's like when I picked up writing again, it was it was all right there yeah. and ready to go.
0: Oh, thank you. See, I would never have known to ask that. So thank you for offering that because it gives us a real true glimpse as to why you do what you do and what drives you. And uh, isn't it just fascinating how things in our childhood make such an impression and then they get lost along the way, but they're always there.
1: Exactly right. Yeah, they can go underground for a long time. Mm-hmm. But when you go digging for them, they're ready to come back
0: mm-hmm. up. Oh, my gosh, I love this. So this book, um, a, a Dream of Shadows, is this a debut novel? It is. Okay. Yeah. Other than the what you wrote it when you were 13, which was kind of the, the, the debut. <laughs> exactly. <but laughs> this is your adult debut novel.
1: <laughs> right. Um,
0: why did you decide to write? What What was the catalyst that said Okay, uh, I'm not 13 anymore, but it's time to get started. Yeah.
1: Well, I, you know, I gave it a little bit of a go after college, but very quickly, um, you know, I was an English literature major in college, so I got very, you know, focused on literature and literary fiction, and I gave it a go right after college, but just <laughs> the life of a writer can be so difficult, and it's so hard to make a living, and very very quickly I could just see. That I had this long path in front of me of struggling, starving, working all kinds of side jobs and things to try and support it, uh, which was already starting to happen. And I said, I'll make a deal with myself. Why don't I go and get, build a career where I can actually earn some money and live reasonably well? And I will get around to this again in the future. And then, you know, that stretched on quite a few decades and then, uh, COVID hit. Um, And I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if people you interview hear this story in some form or another Mm. from a lot of them. But that sort of broke the cycle. You know, the the business I was working in stopped. You know, there was no more business for a while, at least. And I said, this is this is my moment. It's the signal to get back to it. So I dove in headfirst. And, yeah, the rest is kind of follow from there. Now, now I can't go back. <laughs> now that I've let this thing out of the box, I feel like I cannot return um, to doing other work. I need to make this work.
0: No, no, I get that. And as you were telling that story, how disciplined of you to have a passion to write, but to, you know, let your brain take over basically and say, no, I need to do something to make a living so that I'm not a starving artist. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. And uh, here you were, and you are absolutely right about the pandemic. So many people found themselves, found their voice, found their inner uh, ability to say, you know, I could either go down with this time period or get out of me what's been stewing for a long time and and use it to my advantage. I think a lot of excellent writing came from that last few year period. I bet you. Mm -hmm.
1: I bet you. There's uh, somebody could have those statistics gathered. You know, the Amazon could probably figure it out sure. um, how many new novels showed up in that period of time.
0: Yeah. No, well, I hear it all the time. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm, you know, not a reliable source to put statistics together, but just some mm-hmm. anecdotal um, information. I've heard that a lot from folks. All right. Well, give us a peek then inside the book, A Dream of Shadows.
1: Um, yeah. So, you know, like I say, the, the, the urban elements, the criminal Elements and the sense of a fallen empire, a fallen world are all dominant in the story. It's, it's a bit of a genre mashup. So it's, it's part fantasy, although it's kind of loosely fantasy. It doesn't, it doesn't include too many of the dominant elements of fantasy. I, I always call it the three M's, like magic, monsters, and men with pointy ears. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't have like those traditional Tolkien type Fantasy elements, but it is set in another place, quasi-medieval mm-hmm. in nature, medieval renaissance. So, in, in that way, it, it qualifies as fantasy. But it's also um, mashed up with thriller, mystery, um, and and I'd say a, a fair measure of literary elements are present in it as well. And most, like most fantasy novels, at least the ones I have have read. Usually, are are big and sweeping stories. Uh, they usually cover a lot of geographical territory. It often covers a lot of a, you know long time period. There's maybe a quest or some broader conflict dominating that world. Th- this one's quite different in that it's it's more claustrophobic than that. It's um it takes place in this one urban setting, um and it's crunched into a 48 hour period. So it's a very intense book. It kind of has those, those elements of like a heist story. You have operatives hired anonymously gathering at the start. People hardly know each other, um, for a mission. And the mission, which you learn pretty quickly is, you know, th- these figures are all criminal to some extent or another. Uh, but the mission is to assassinate a really bad criminal. Um, a, a, a sadistic genius called the Raving Blade, who is one of the power brokers in the city, and so events all unfold from that first meeting, which starts at the beginning. Um, and I've, you know, certainly been told by people who've read and reviewed the book that it's, it's very tense. It's you're very much on edge, um, and that was very, you know, that was a that was a real objective of mine to keep. Um, People engage right from the beginning in the sense of sort of the looming menace of what lies ahead and then what starts to unfold as the mission happens.
0: Oh my, there's so much here. And you could have taken this concept maybe in different directions. So, why this genre mashup and why, as you say, this claustrophobic 48-hour time period, why did you make those decisions to, you know, maybe not make it more of like a realistic uh, story long-term? How did you put all of this together?
1: Well, you know, I feel like on a certain level, my head is a mashup.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a, I, I come, like I said, I come come kind of out of the world of literary fiction and um, that that's the stuff I've mostly red, mm-hmm. but I think adventure. Mm-hmm. So it's like my mind think and, and I love like when it comes to shows or movies, I'm I'm always, you know, taken with stories that involve like operatives, CIA and Mossad and, you know, these sort of underground figures who live on the shadowy edges of society and morality. Um and I Uh, as I said earlier, you know, urban settings are often of great interest to me. So that's the stuff that sort of consumes my my story sensibility. But I tend to, you know, like to read things that are a bit more literary. And so I thought, why don't I just, you see, one of the misnomers I feel is present currently in books is that it's one or the other. Like if it's a genre type of story, it will have, It'll be strong in plot, strong in its excitement, won't put as much emphasis on the writing. And then in literary fiction it will be eloquent and have symbolism and deeper human concerns woven into it, but it may not be that exciting. Mm-hmm. Um and I just thought I don't think those things have to be mutually exclusive. Right. I'd like to put it all together into a single story. Mm-hmm. So I think hopefully that answers your question. It's it's like I come in from a like I say disparate parts of my mind tend to come together and converge when I do writing. Mm -hmm.
0: Fascinating. Um, That's where the whole idea of of genre selection becomes difficult. And I know you selected several categories because in a book such as this, it's not one or the other. And and sometimes there's not even a genre for it. So people sometimes say, why do you have many genres available and subgenres?" Well, you know, how can you stuff something into a space that it doesn't fit? Yeah, I
1: was actually really, it's one of the things that drew me to your award is that there were so many categories, and I would look down the list and went, oh, I think I could fit in that, and I was, oh, you know what, I might fit in that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I went for five, because I just said, I I think in good conscience I could enter all of those.
0: Yep. No, I agree. I feel it's almost rude to expect somebody to <laughs> to fit something, a round circle into a square, a square hole. It's like, how do you do that? So um <laughs> Thinking about your your background and the connection to architecture and design and writing—is it in the same vein or is it on the other side?
1: I would say it's probably a little bit more on the other side of the mm-hmm, brain mm-hmm. Uh, because you know there's a lot of math
0: yeah.
1: and there's a lot of sort of spatial logic present in that work. Yes, um, but it, there's certainly artistic flourish. Uh, as well, but I would say to be a good architect, a good designer, uh, um, you need to be very, very practical in, in what you're constructing. I think maybe in some broader sense, when I'm, like, like, I think with writers, they fall into different camps and some are, some just sort of let the inspiration just flow out onto a page from interviews I've read or heard and they're not certain what they're going to write. And some people are more meticulous planners and constructors. I'm, I'm more the latter category. Uh, so in that way, perhaps there is a, an overlap, like the careful construction of a home or a design. I'm I'm a fairly careful constructor of story. That said, when I arrive at a scene, I have to let go a little and just see what's going to unfold because nothing is ever exactly as it's planned. Um things do unfold with little little moments of inspiration, and I welcome those and I want those. Right. But, yeah, so I'd say maybe in that sense, mm-hmm. the ability to construct and design something and then allow the flourishes to show up right. at, at the end.
0: Very interesting. I'm wondering if, having written this book, I wonder if it might change the way you would design.
1: Hmm. I don't know if I'll find out, but <laughs> because of my career change, but you know what? That's, it's a very interesting point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, okay. So I'm glad you led me to that because the main character in the story, Vizier, um, he's kind of a very idiosyncratic character in that he is a criminal and he can at times be quite violent. Uh, but he's a highly cultured individual. And he's obsessed with architecture and design and home furnishings, um, which is a funny mixture of elements, um, Mm -hmm. to to have in a criminal figure like this. Mm -hmm. But my architectural and design background heavily informed, (coughs) excuse me, the story. And I think that some of my own idiosyncratic nature and the discordant pieces that make up you know, my own character are present in this guy, uh, not the least of which, like I say, being the fixation on design and architecture.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, as you were writing these characters, did you find some were easier to write than others?
1: Uh, not really. I, 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 I don't know. When the, when the character's ready to come, they're just ready to yes. come. Mm-hmm. And if some if something were to struggle to come out, I would assume it probably wasn't the right wasn't supposed
0: to be there right,
1: yeah, I, I yeah, I don't really have that experience so much. they're all they're all pretty vivid to me by the time they're ready to hit the page, mm-hmm.
0: so as you're writing, Peter, are you thinking of your audience or are you just getting this out?
1: Let's think about that. Am I thinking of my audience well i I really tend to write as if I'm the audience uh-huh. um. And maybe, maybe that's a cliche. I don't know. Uh, but I, I write the book I would want to read. And so I'm writing something and it, I do think it's, it's a bit unusual, the book, for the reasons I said earlier, the fact that I haven't quite seen this particular mixture of elements put together. It may, it may have happened. I just haven't seen it. Right. Uh, but it's exactly what I'd want to find. Like I'd want to be going through Amazon and saying, Oh, cool. Somebody, somebody thought to put this together. I'd be interested in that, uh, and that's kind of who I'm writing
0: for. Oh, excellent. Well, you've got, as I said at the top, you've gotten such great feedback, so obviously you are on the uh, right track, or your or your readers are similar to you, or that you know you've obviously made that connection.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I hope it continues.
0: Oh, why not? Why not? I mean, now that you've got this going and you're you're working on this full time, um, what's next? What are you working on now?
1: Well, the the book two in the series. Um, is coming out probably mid-June. So this uh, this series called The Shadow Bitter Series, um, I anticipate five books total mm-hmm. in the series. So book two is coming out in June, and then I have actually book three is almost entirely written as well. Mm-hmm. And that I'm thinking will come out near the end of the year. You know, I'm not. I'm not actually that fast a writer, and I'm kind of meticulous, like I was saying. But I, but I'm a crazy man. (laughs) I I work. I work for crazy numbers of hours a day. I actually get up like. Oh my god! I'm sort of embarrassed to say this. I I often wake up in the middle of the night, like one in the morning, Mm -hmm. and start writing for like three, four hours. Then then go back to sleep, get up, and then write again. So I. The point is, if you put in enough hours. can make up for the fact that you're a very, very painstaking writer, uh, and you start to match the pace of, let's say, a moderately fast writer Mm -hmm. just by being virtue of putting in so much time.
0: You know, you're everybody's, every writer's dream. And so many people are constrained with jobs and and other things that pull them away. And so they've got to say, well, you know, by the time I'm done with everything in the evening, I can write from 8 till midnight. And they're constrained by life, but... uh, you're in a pretty enviable position at this point where you can pop out of bed and write when you want, go back to bed, and get up and write again. That sounds pretty nice.
1: Well, that right there, kind of what you described, is exactly what I was trying to avoid. It did mean putting writing down for upwards of you know, 25, 30 years. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so some wouldn't want to make that choice. But I wanted to get to my, myself to a financial situation, a stability place, I could do this because I I didn't think I would do very well in the trying to stuff it into a few hours a day thing. I'm always very admiring of those who do that, and I think that's extraordinarily commendable Mm -hmm. that they work, you know, another job or another career and do it. I just didn't think it was going to work very well with my own brain the way it is.
0: Whatever you did, it worked out well, and I'm so happy that we met you and had this opportunity to... um see your work and hope we can continue. So as we begin to wrap up, I want to make sure we're not missing anything you wanted to highlight today.
1: Yeah, I mean I think this was this was great. I really enjoyed talking to you about this. I think that um I I have no intention to stop. So I, mm-hmm. I see this whole series coming out within the next let's say over the next two year, <laughs> two, two and a half year time frame. Um and I do think the book is extremely exciting. I think, uh, especially for those who who like uh, to be sort of pushed into a world of um, murky world on the boundaries of law and order, good and evil, morality, that's uh, that's sort of the realm I flit in. Uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm really, really happy to. I'm very happy with the response I've gotten so far.
0: Oh, you should be. You should be. Alrighty, share then any contact information where folks can find out more about you and get copies of your books
1: yeah i mean i think that the best bet is just to go to you know www and i spell my name peter p-e-t-e-r e-l-i-o-t-t so it's one l two t's you'll find every version of elliot out there but mine is one l two t's and then you got it so from there you can get links to the you know amazon page and other information
0: you no, right. kept catching me with the two L's. I'd find myself putting two L's down. Because, oh, no. it, I don't blame you.
1: <laughs> First of all, the two letters look sort of similar when you're writing, and yes. so it, it gets it gets difficult.
0: <laughs> well, it makes you stop and really pay attention to you, which everybody should after today's conversation. So we're talking with Peter Elliott. The winning book is titled A Dream of Shadows Book 1, part of the Shadow Bitter series, and uh, we can expect more this year. Peter, what an exciting conversation. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you. I, I knew we were going to have a good time. Just from what I know of your book, I knew you were going to be an exciting person to talk to. So thank you for sharing today.
1: Thank you, Pat. This was a pleasure. And thank you for hosting the awards. It, um, I'll definitely be back uh, for the next round as well.
0: I will look forward to that. Thank you. All right. Have a great day.